if money didn't matter. Business is a tool for life. You don't get what you want in life. You only get what you're willing to suffer for. You're entering the age of entrepreneurs with Clark Varon. How world-class entrepreneurs succeed in business and life. Hey everybody, today's guest is Ryan Helms. After taking a solo adventure across Kenya and Tanzania, Ryan was on a plane back home wondering, how can I travel more? The only thing holding him back was over $200,000 of debt. And that's when Ryan realized that it's time for him to start a side hustle. He loved his job, so instead of doing anything drastic and quitting, he worked nights and weekends towards his mission, which he called Operation Do Whatever the Hell I Want. I love that name. And then after two years of not taking a single day off, Ryan is now enjoying the freedom that he was striving for, and he's teaching others how to dial in their goals and achieve their dreams using the molehill system. Welcome to the show, Ryan. What's up, Clark, man? How are you? I'm doing great. So, uh, first off, why don't you tell everybody, like, what do you do? So, now I do, to make money, that is, I, uh, I run an agency that does content marketing specifically around podcasts. So, uh, we have, we're a client-based business. We get clients in the door, mostly entrepreneurs, and we help them produce content and distribute content that leads to revenue in their business. That's the elevator pitch. So are, are you doing that full-time now? Yep. I quit my job. What? So it's August now. What, what's today's date actually? Eight? So I quit my job. Uh, <laughs> August 2nd of last year. So what is that like 372 days ago or 367 days ago? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, today was, this is a leap year, 368. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So uh, let's just call it a year to, to make the numbers easy. A year ago, I quit my job and uh, I had, I was in the chemical industry. So I worked for a big chemical company, I had like 30,000 people. Uh, I had done pretty good, like you know, relative, right? I, it, to me, I'd done pretty good. Um, I'd kind of worked my way up. I was making a little bit over six figures a year. And yeah, I, I, I kind of saw where I was heading. Like I, I pretty much could like picture myself being my boss. Like that was the path I was on. And I, I, I mean, it, to some people it'd been freaking awesome. Like they would have loved to know like where they were heading, but I didn't really like that. So yeah, I started this on the side and we can dive into how I got to starting that. But uh, eventually, you know, that the income from this business replaced the income from that business, paid off my debt, decreased my risk and jumped. So do you feel like there was a triggering moment when you were just like, hey, you know what? I, I see this future that I don't really, it was it a future that wasn't attractive to you, you know, being your boss, feeling those... I think so. And honestly, like I told people this before, like, uh, there was one girl that I, I worked with that I was, uh, 
I guess, more close with than other people in the organization. She was closer to my age and stuff like that. And we would always joke around, like you could see people like walking through the halls and stuff at work. And you're like, Jesus, man, I, I do not want to be that dude. He looks freaking miserable. Like, <laughs> uh, and I just, it just didn't appeal to me. Uh, like I said, they were, it was a super stable job, man. Like guarantee I would have worked there. I could have worked there for the rest of my life. To put it in perspective, my immediate, I reported uh, directly to a guy that had worked there for uh, 30 years and indirectly to a guy that had worked there 34 years. So like I could have worked there the rest of my life if I wanted to. I'm pretty damn sure of it, but. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And so what was like your triggering moment? You know, what, what was mm. the moment when you just. Yeah, decided, I skipped like, that. Um, so for me, the triggering moment, I don't know if there was like one particular moment, but I got to the point where it was like, we had, uh, so in my day job, I was managing 14 people. And I think about this time we were out 12 to 14 people in our agency as well, which was my side hustle that team members that we had on. So it was like, I had 14 people here that I was managing, had 14 people on the side these people were like all over the world. So like pretty much there was something I was like, had my hands in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was something going on that I could put my hand in. And I was like, this business look like, looks like it's going to continue to grow. There's no way I can continue to do both at a high level for a long time. So I, I kind of have to choose. Do I want to like say this was cool and it was fun while it lasted, but this shit is just too much and I can't keep it up and like stop it and just give it to my partner and let him run with it? Or do I say, hey, like, you know, I'm not going to be young forever. Like I don't have any kids. Like I had paid off my mortgage. Like I don't have a lot of risk. Like, do I want to just try this? Maybe it flops and I don't make any money. Uh, but so I chose to dive in and uh, you know, and now that I'm thinking about it, I actually recorded a video like walking around my office like uh, a few days before I quit, like just kind of like getting my thoughts out. I have to go <laughs> dig that up. But uh, yeah, no no specific moment, just kind of that that tipping point of I can only do so much in 24 hours at a high level. So what yeah. do I want to do? So that's when you like jumped off the boat. But like there must have been another moment, like a triggering moment to like start building the boat, start building the side hustle. Yeah. What was, t tell us like, what's going, what was going through your mind at that point? Yeah. So that moment is, is much more clear and defined. Uh, I think it was in 20, I think it was 2016. I, it was like July of that year. I was sitting on uh, a couch, actually this couch behind me, not in the same room though. And I was sitting there and I was getting a little burnt out with work. I would not taken any days off and was kind of busting my butt to kind of climb the ladder, so to speak. And I somehow started looking for flights around the world, saw that I could go to Nairobi, Kenya, round trip from Atlanta for like 700 bucks or somewhere around there. Wow. And I was like, oh man, like I had no <laughs> idea that it was possible to go to like Africa in East Africa that for so cheap. And so I bought the ticket in July, had zero clue what I was going to do. And I, I swear to God, I didn't think about it for like two months. Like it, I bought the ticket for it to be over uh, Thanksgiving U.S. holiday. Yeah. And I was like, I only get two two weeks of vacation a year in my corporate job. Like I got to make the most of it. So let me work <laughs> this into some holidays. 
And so I booked it and it was probably two months before I even like thought about it. And I was like, oh crap, man, I got this ticket. I got to start planning something. So I planned a safari and to go to an island called Zanzibar and did a bunch of cool stuff on the safari and in Kenya. But the magic happened in Zanzibar, which is a little island. And in particular, that trigger moment that you were referring to is I would met a bunch of people like while I was there, a bunch of really awesome people. They were like traveling the world. Some of them like for a few weeks, some of them for a few months, some of them have been traveling for a few years. And there was a lot of different mechanisms on like how they were actually doing that. Some of them had sold their house and their cars and literally had nothing and were just like figured out how to make a little bit of money on the road, like doing yoga at like local hotels and stuff like that. <laughs> and some of them had figured out how to use their parents' money to go travel the world. Some of them had actually figured out how to like make money online. And I remember I was uh, met a guy that was like actually coding uh, on the beach in Zanzibar, like sitting on this little tiki hut. And I was like, man, that's so cool. Like this dude's literally like making wow. money and like sipping stuff out of a coconut. I was <laughs> like, that's pretty dope. Uh, I was like, I have no idea how the hell I would even start to do that though. But I figured that I wanted to, do, I didn't know if I wanted to travel like long-term, but I knew I wanted to like have the, uh, I wanted to have the choice to yeah. travel. If I wanted to do it, cool, I could go do it. Um, but I want to be able to make that choice. So I kind of, on that plane ride back, I was like, oh crap, all right, let's try to figure this out. And like you mentioned in the intro, the first like glaring obstacle in the way was like all this debt I had accumulated. Like at the time I drove like, so this was in, um, 2016. So I actually drove a brand new, uh, I think it was a 2017 because, you know, they released the cars a little bit early. 2017 Nissan 370Z, which is a nice little two-door sports car. Um, so I had a bunch of stuff like I didn't really need. I had a nice condo, a car, went out like every weekend, spending a bunch of money on like alcohol and hanging out. Uh, so I, I just had to like reevaluate my life and like like seriously like scale back on everything is it isn't it crazy how like one way to like get financial freedom is make a bunch more money but another way is just like don't in stop increasing your expenses like as you make yeah. money, stop spending it and that's like yep. i mean you you see like a million books on financial success and and all of that but really it's just like where's the gap of how much money you make and how much money you spend <laughs> yep absolutely and, and i think the it becomes super powerful when you close that gap and you figure out a way to generate additional income. Like that's where seriously the magic happens. So like I've, I've honestly had people tell me when I'm like, yeah, I paid off like $209,000 in like, I think it was either like 24 or 27 months. And I've had people like literally tell me I'm lying. Like I could do the math and there's no way that's possible. I'm like, well, one, you can't do the math because you don't know all the pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, like, you don't know how much my side hustle was generating. You don't know how much I was making in my day job. You don't know how much I had reduced my expenses. But I'd really done all those things. I'd reduced my expenses down to nothing. Uh, I, I sold that car. I actually had to, I was underwater in that car. I had to pay them like $5,000 to take the car from me. Um, <laughs> that's how it works when you buy a new car and you want to get rid of it. Uh, so I had to pay them money to take the car. I think it was like 5,000 bucks. Uh, paid off my credit cards, uh, paid off my suit. I still had, this is how dumb I was with money. I, when I went, when I got done with college, I, I graduated in 2010. 
uh, from Georgia Southern University. I had $26,000 in student loans, all right? Six years later, in 2016, 2017, I had $29,000 in student loans, and I did not go to school between 2010 and 2016. Uh, I, I was just so naive. Like, they set me up on a payment like when I got out of school, like the minimum payment, like just pay this. And I was like, screw it. I'll just pay this money and eventually it'll get paid off. Well, it wasn't even like covering the principal plus the interest. Like mm -hmm. I was like, it was still stacking up each month. So I was just really My dumb God. and I just had to figure out how to close that gap. So where did you learn like your financial wisdom? Uh, man, I, I would say it's, I didn't learn. I think most of it's just common sense. You just have to like get your head out of the sand and it's not rocket science. That's for sure. It was, it was literally like when I paid attention to it, you, it, it's crystal clear what you need to do. Like it's, it's really, it's as simple as like income and expenses. You can, you want to raise your income and you want to lower your expenses and then things happen quickly. And it's just about getting your head out of the sand. You can read books and you'll get some interesting insights, but I never read a financial book. I listened to some podcasts on like financial independence and stuff like that, but it was nothing. It was no like real information to like move the needle. Mm -hmm. Most of it was just common sense. Mm -hmm. So where was your head at? Like you had, you know, what, $207,000 of debt. You want like financial freedom. Were like when, when you bring yourself back to the shoes that you were in, were you scared? Were you like not confident? Like what, what was like happening in your world, you know, internally as you're trying to piece this puzzle together? Yeah. So the best way to attack anything like this is to have a plan, right? So that's exactly what I did. Like anxiety, I heard a, a guy say this the other day on a podcast, anxiety comes from not having a plan and not knowing what you should do. So like, how, yeah. yeah, yeah, uncertainty, exactly, right? So how do I not have anxiety about this huge mountain of money that I want to pay off and do it before I'm like 92 years old? Uh, so I created a plan. I put it in a spreadsheet. I had everything mapped out. I had a goal of when I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it by November of 2019. I ended up doing it by June of 2019, so a few months early, but I had a literal roadmap. I knew how much money I had to put away every single month, and I had to do that every single month. And if I did, then I would hit my number. I would pay off all the I'll pay off all the credit cards, the student loans, the mortgage, I'll pay off everything. Mm -hmm. And I would have no debt to my name at that point. So the plan, it was a Google spreadsheet, I had charts. So like every time I'd punch something in or like zero something out, like the chart would update and it would like go down every single month. And yeah, that's how I did it, man. That's how I like tackled it right off the bat was I, I made a plan. And so that was like your strategy. Okay, here's the numbers. Here's how the number works. But like, what were some of the tactical things that you had to do in order to pay it off? Make more money. So right. bo both. How'd you both, do that? <laughs> both in my day job. So this is an important piece. It's not just like making side hustle money, right? Making extra money on the side. I also like during this. So while I was in the, the four, four or five years I was at that company, I got like four or five promotions. 
So that's like, I, it, I think two or three of those came like while I was in this side hustle mode. So I was still really focused on like excelling at my day job because what's the easiest way to make more money? The way you're already making money. So I was like, let me just double down. I knew like the corporate world to me is pretty easy to figure out. Just like raise your hand a lot, make your boss happy and stuff's going to happen for you. So I just kept doing all those things, got a couple raises like during that process as well. And then started like making a ton of mistakes and uh, for a long time losing money can I, can on I the side. Can I yeah. interrupt you before we start talking about side hustle money? Because there's a lot of people who are listening to this show that they are in like their work environment is still in the nine to five. And it's so true that like you can, you, there are ways to increase your income as an employee, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you suggest to somebody who wants to keep their job and still make more money in their job? You know, what, what should they do? It, it's really no different than if you, you own a business. So like if, if you're, in a corporate job and you want to start a business or if you don't, the principles are the same. You got to over deliver. That, that's really what it comes down to. And to me, what that meant was anytime there was a new project coming up, like who, 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 who wants to do it? I do. Like, did I know if I could actually do it? Mm, not really. But not only do you impress your boss, but you get exposure to a bunch of different people in organ in the organization as well. So that, fact that played a big big factor into my mobility within the company uh, because the person that I said that was an indirect I reported to indirectly that had been here 34 years he was the global vice president of all of supply chain for a company that has mm -hmm. you know 30,000 people or whatever it is uh, so like I would I had a meeting with him once a week he knew exactly what projects I was working on. That was a very high exposure thing for me. It came because I raised my hand when they asked who wanted to do projects. And the other thing is just like over delivering on people's expectations. So if they want two of these, give them three of them, right? If they want, if they want this in blue, give it to them in blue and green, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like just over deliver on everything that you do and don't be scared. Like if you can't do anything, like say, I'm not sure if I can, if I know how to do this now, but I'm going to figure it out and I'll come back to you with a solution. Uh, I, I think if you do those things in a corporate job, there's no way you can't get promoted. It's almost like treating your boss as one of your clients, you know, yeah. it's like a mindset shift where as a business owner, you know that your client is going to rehire you and pay you more if they get results. And so you've got to get your boss results. And if you can get them results, then they see that and you get promoted. It's, it's very, very similar. Um, yep. hundred percent. I mean, and like, this isn't a bragging point, but like I did this so much, my boss, he was a cool dude, but he was kind of like, it, it was tough to like get like a lot of like thank yous and you did an awesome job from him. He just wasn't that person that gave those out very uh, frequently. And we had, it's a big company. So there's a lot of bureaucracy to it. So in your annual evaluations, you had five potential ratings that you could get. The top one, the fifth level was like exceptional. And to do that, to get that rating, you had to get approval from the president of the company. And he'd been a, a boss for like, he'd been in the company at like 32 years. He'd been a manager for 28 years. 
I was the only person he ever gave that rating in the 28 years that he was a manager. And I'm not that smart. I swear to God, I'm not. I'm not that talented. I just over-delivered, raised my hand, made his life easy. So if you want to sum up the whole thing, make your boss's life easy and it's game over. Yeah, totally. I love that. And to that point, one more time, uh, Grant Cardone. Do you know Grant Cardone? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he has a book that, uh, talks about this as well. And he says like, if your if your company doesn't allow you to get promotions based off of merit, like the government, for example, if you work in a government job, then it's basically you get paid on like, how long have you been there? Kind of like teachers, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if your boss, if your job holds you down, with in like a non merit based system, then get out, find a different job because the only way that you really get paid what you're worth is through merit. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. That's, that's a good little side tangent. I think that was an awesome lesson. All right. Now tell us, how do you make money with the side hustle? What was your plan? What, what were some of the tactical things that you did and what were some of the mistakes you made when you were building your side hustle? See, all right. So I had a really good plan for how to pay off the debt. I had zero plan for how to make money on the internet. Um, I didn't know how to do it. Never done it. I'd been in the corporate world, never knew anybody that was an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, I did, but I honestly didn't realize they were an entrepreneur. I didn't know what that word mean as dumb as it sounds. Like I knew what it meant, but I didn't know what it meant. So I didn't have anybody to like look up to or wasn't really in this world, didn't follow anybody on social media that was an entrepreneur. So I just had to kind of like dive in. Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income was like kind of like the first time I was introduced to like, there's a world out there called the internet and you can make money on it. Um, I still remember I was with my friend Ivan. We were driving in a car. We were about to do a juice fast and he like, we're driving to this farmer's market and he put this on this podcast and I was like listening to it. And this dude was like interviewing a guy that was making a bunch of money doing this business online. I was like, is this scam? Like, dude, like you can really make that much money, like just working from home. And of course you can. So I dove into it and that was kind of like the gateway, tried a bunch of stuff, uh, right off the bat, tried a, a fitness business, spent like 80 hours building a website like an idiot before <laughs> I even like knew what I was going to do or like what, how I was going to help people. Uh, God, I can't, I'm not kidding. I can't tell you how many like nights and weekends I spent in Starbucks, like teaching myself how to build a web, website from scratch. Thinking back, man, I feel like such an idiot for it, but I need to share it because uh, like don't waste your time building a website, at least not 80 hours if you don't already have a uh, a validated product or service. I, uh, I but anyway, talked, yeah. sorry, I, I have talked about that because same experience with me, dude, like first business I built, like what was the first thing I did? I spent like months building a logo and a website and then yeah. I had to scrap the whole thing, right? Because I was garbage at it Qu- really quickly. What would you do first thing instead of build a website? Like what, what, what would you do have done instead? I would, so I would have an idea of how I wanted to help people, like just in general, like, well, how do I, how do I plan on in the best case scenario, turning something into money, right? Do I want to sell them a course? Do I want to have a service business where I help somebody do something? I would figure out like what that general idea is. And then I would just start asking people, like, what are your problems? Like in regards to X, like what's the biggest struggle you have right now? 
just send a ton of people DMs on Instagram, send a ton of people messages on LinkedIn. Just ask them. Maybe 75% of them don't reply or tell you go kick rocks, but maybe the 25% that do reply give you some really good insight that you can start to like build a product around. Cause then at that point, you're not building a product around what you think is a cool idea. Like we yeah. did when we were like yeah. building this website um, that did nothing for neither one of us. Uh, you're building a, a product around what people have told you they struggle with and yeah. people, people buy things because it makes their life easier. Pretty much yeah. just about everything you buy, you buy it because in some way it makes your life easier. So yeah, that's what I would do in the beginning. So like step one, understand your market and, yeah. and figure out like who are your customers and what are their pains and problems? What might they be willing to buy? Then you can like form a hypothesis, Yep. right? That's that hypothesis is really like... <laughs> figure it that that's kind of like the first thing that you need to bring to market then what do you do yep. once you have like your hypothesis and and you think you know what your market wants yep what do you do after that what's step two <laughs> step <laughs> two is now uh, so if i was again if we if we have this business and i'm let, actually let's take uh the business i have right we're a content marketing agency so we're a service-based business we get clients we fulfill on services they pay us money so if I, if I was wanting to start a podcast agency like I did, I would, we'd figure out what the problems that people have are. So in this case, they have no idea how to edit audio. They, know, they have no idea how to um, upload, even upload a podcast, distribute it. They have no idea how to create uh, additional marketing materials for it. Uh, audiograms, video clips. They don't know how to post on social media. So these are all like problems that people have. They know they want it but they don't know how to do the things that make it happen. And that's pretty much any service business, right? The people who cut your grass, you, you know, you need your grass cut, but you don't want to go outside and do it, right? They're just bridging that gap, right? Same thing. You know, you want a podcast, but you don't really want to learn how to uh, edit the audio and all that kind of stuff. So I would, you know, figure out what those things that people want are, like we talked about. And then I would start looking for people that either have podcasts or start posting on social media. The route we took in our agency is, is if I just keep using this as an example, is we started posting on social media. We started creating a lot of content, in particular my business partner. Uh, so I'm more of the operations. He's more like the sales side, if we look at it like that. Uh, he started po doing a lot of Facebook Lives, just talking about podcasting. That's it. So he would go live every single day on Facebook, just talking about various aspects of podcasting. People started to look to him as like an authority on podcasting mm -hmm. off really nothing but just talking about it right if they talk about it they must know a lot about it that's how people think right so if you start talking about something enough people are going to assume that you know what the hell you're doing and what the hell you're talking about so that's what happened here he started posting a lot people started to say hey this guy knows what he's talking about every time somebody would make a post in a different facebook group or something like that people would tag him in it right? Because they saw him creating a lot of content about podcasting, right? And yeah. literally that's how our business uh, really took off. We got our first client, not going to lie. He was a guy who knew who we were. And so we already had a good relationship with him. That was super simple. We gave him an awesome deal, literally like three times cheaper than we charge now uh, for the same service. And our second client, we met at a conference, a 
the reason he sat down with us at that conference because he had seen people tagging us in posts. He had seen my partner like posting all these Facebook uh, videos. We sat down with him at a conference called Funnel Hacking Live. We signed him as a client. He's still a client a year and eight months later. Uh, now, uh, our next, at that conference, we got three clients all because they knew us from Facebook land. We'd never met them in person before. Walked away with now four clients in total. So that's how we got our first full four clients was literally through like Facebook lives and posting in groups and stuff all on Facebook. You can attribute all this to just Facebook. Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't having a necessarily having a podcast or doing anything. It was just creating content about podcasting. So you went like the organic create content route. Yep. And, um, then once you started to get some interest, how did you present your offer to them? Yeah, so this goes back to the pain. What is all the pain points and things that you identified when you started talking to your, or, or you started prospecting on this potential market? You just, you package those up, right? What is all the challenges people have? Like I said, editing audio, publishing it, distributing it, create, mm-hmm. creating marketing collateral, promoting it, all that kind of stuff. Then this is where a lot of people get it wrong. And if you get into the deep into the marketing world, you'll start to realize this. You have to create an offer around the service that you're about to present into the market. You can't just say, but, and we see this a lot in the podcasting space. There's like new agencies that do what we do all the time that pop up. And what they do is they're like, Hey, we'll, we'll edit your audio and we'll publish it. And we're going to charge you $2,000 a month. Now, well, that's not, sexy or attractive at all that doesn't pique my interest it just makes me wonder why you want to charge me so much so what we do is we look at all those pain points that we've identified that people have and we create an offer so basically we bundle a lot of things into one particular offer so when we're trying to sell you something Clark we're going to present you this one thing we're going to spend about 15 minutes going through everything that you're going to get this is in marketing referred to as like the stack right the stack of everything that you're going to get and then at the end you're you're like holy crap like I don't know. This is probably going to be expensive, but I don't know how much it is yet, but that's a lot of stuff. That's awesome. Like you're going to solve every problem. Not only problems that I have, the problems I don't even know I have yet. Mm-hmm. So, and then we, we tell them the price it's higher than everybody else in the market, but we've shown that they're going to get so much value from this. They say yes, a very, very high percentage at the time. So how do you teach people to start their own side hustles now? What's, what's the strategy? What's the game plan that you use to help people get into the game? So I think there's two paths. Um, there's, a, there's a path that's sold online a lot, and that is the path of, hey, let me create a course or let me uh, create an ebook or let me do something along the digital product route and let me scale that to a million dollar business and I'll do it in like a year. That's what you get sold a lot in like courses and uh, through Instagram ads and all that kind of stuff. It can be done. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that have done it, but it's not as easy as it appears online. If you want to start want to side hustle and your objective is to make an extra 2000 bucks a month, let me tell you, that is not much money at all. It might sound like a lot, like an extra 2K a month, you know how much I can do with that. But if you start a service-based business, like the business that I have, service-based, you can make 200, you can make 2,000 bucks a month in no time flat. This is literally the, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, like 
I, I, we have clients that we make four times that off one client every single month. $8,000 a month a client would pay us on retainer. Like, so a $2,000 a month, it might seem like a lot to you, but, and this is where I struggled because like I said, I didn't know any entrepreneurs. So I, like, I was like, who in the hell would pay me $2,000 a month? Like that just seemed absolutely ridiculous to me. But there's a lot more money out in the world than you, you think if you don't come from money. Like I didn't grow up around a lot of money. I didn't really know anybody had a lot of money. So it was like 2,000 bucks was a shit ton of money. And I didn't have any idea that there was people that that was chump change to out there. Yeah, so, no kidding. Yep. So, but I, that's what I would do is to, to kind of wrap that up is I would start a service-based business. That's uh, whether, no matter, I mean, there's a bazillion different service-based businesses that you could start out there, but I would figure out like, how do you help somebody do something? Uh, it could be like, you could write their blogs, you could mow their grass, you could wash their windows. Like there's a bazillion things you could do and people will pay you and you'll come back and you'll do it every month and they'll pay you every single month. Isn't it wild how basically every employee, are, they're already running their own service-based business. You know, as an employee, we don't think about it as like entrepreneurship, but when you're choosing to, you know, sell your time to your employer or whatever, it's like it, to, making $2,000 a month for your full-time job sounds like nothing. But then all of a sudden the mindset shift of I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this on my own. It's going to be an extra two grand a month. That mindset shift is such a big jump. And it's like, yep. dude, you're already in a service-based business, essentially at, for your employer making more than two grand a month for them. Like think about how you can add more value than you are in your current job. Yeah. I, I think for me, the, and I'm sure other people are, are the same way, the, the biggest like mental obstacle about that, what we're talking about right here for me was I thought if I was going to make the same amount as I was making in my day job, then I was gonna have to put in similar hours. I had to work 40 hours yeah. here. That means I'm gonna have to work about 40 hours here. But the reality is I could probably make the same amount of money in like eight hours, right? Over the course of a month, whatever that service is that I'm doing for them. Um, in our case, I'm gonna keep using the example, podcast production. They might put out an episode a week and it may take me two hours a week to, to mm -hmm. do everything that, I need to do for them and they could pay me a thousand bucks a month, 1500 bucks a month. I don't, it, yeah. it totally depends, but that was the biggest mindset for me. Uh, I thought that I like, had to, had to put in the same amount of time to get the same amount of work out or, or money out, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. I remember when my, when that mindset, mindset shift happened for me, it was um, when I was in college and my landlord was complaining about to me about how he needed to like have a new website and his guy was like nine months behind. Now you, you and I already talked about how we put in like tons of hours into website building that was like garbage. Well, the good thing is by the time I was, you know, several years into that business, I had learned how to build websites pretty quickly. And in 12 hours, I built him a website overnight. Cause he's like, my guy's really late. I was like, I'm going to over deliver and build him a website the, the next day, sold it to him for, $4,200. And I put like 12 hours into that website. And that's when yep. I realized nobody pays you for time. Nobody pays yep. you for time. Em employees get paid for time. Stop thinking like that because you're, you're ripping yourself off by charging for your time instead of money. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of people that think like that. I mean, we even had a client that, uh, 
we told them that they needed to record shorter podcast episodes to increase their consumption, which is a good thing, right? But they equated that meant that we were going to do less work and we, they were still going to be paying us the same amount of money. So they still tied money with time, which is a horrible like mindset to have, whether you're the person paying for the service or not. Like, hey, if you can do it quicker and just as good, like more power to you. Like, I'm not going to argue with that. If you're going to get it to me early or it's going to be better, more power to you. But some people still think like that, entrepreneurs and uh, employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think that's one of the mindset shifts that has to happen. So tell me, what the heck is the molehill system? So one of the things that I, uh, so if we go back to kind of my journey, I was spending 80 hours building that website and uh, <laughs> nothing happened. And then- you know, along that way, people at my, at my day job, a couple of people knew what I was trying to do on the side. Uh, they saw, uh, they saw that I was doing like a bunch of stuff. Like I was traveling globally at the time for that role and just had a lot going on. And they were like, how are you managing it all? And then it like clicked. I was like, oh, here's my first product idea. Right. So mm-hmm. I went down this path of like creating this product, which ended up being called the side hustle journal. And through that process, like I created the journal and it was awesome and I made so many mistakes along the way. But I, I, at this time, you know, I was listening to a ton of podcasts. I was reading a bunch of marketing stuff and I realized that everything had like a framework and a system to it. Like yeah. that's how you like make it unique. That's how you make it like click with people. Um, so I started thinking about like, like what is, what are some of the obstacles that people face when they're creating a side hustle? One of them is the old like saying, don't turn a mountain into a, or don't turn a molehill into a mountain, right? So that's why I call it the the molehill system because it's not about like conquering the mountain right away. It's about uh, like conquering a lot of small little hills, right? Molehills in this case and doing it over and over and over and over. And you'll get the same amount of effort as if you tried to immediately climb this huge mountain because that's where a lot of people go. They start a business or they want to start a business. And the only thing they think about is like, oh my God, like how am I going to handle 10 clients and work this job? What the hell? You don't even have your first client yet. Why are you, th- yeah. why are you thinking that far ahead? Like one step yeah. at a time. So uh, I created this system around just like, how do you take this big monumental goal and break it down into these bite-sized pieces? Named it the molehill system, kind of wrap this whole uh, process into this journal. And that ended up being actually the first thing that really made me any money outside of my day job. Uh, when I launched it on Kickstarter, I raised like 13,000 bucks on Kickstarter. And uh, that was kind of like kicked off everything. And then, uh, you know, through that, I realized it was way, 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 way harder than it should have been to make that $13,000. And I was like, I'm going to talk to a bunch of people that already have figured this make money thing out. And then I started a podcast uh, like, like you have now and with the goal of just talking to a bunch of people. And then, you know, the rest is history. That was kind of my gateway into podcasting. Wow. I really like what you say when it's like, it's about these little, little steps because you've, You've probably heard of the BHAG, right? The big, hairy, audacious Mm -hmm. goal. Jim Collins coined that term. And um, like the way that I try to plan my days and my weeks is, well, first of all, it starts with the BHAG. Like you got to figure that out before you even plan your day, right? And figure out where am I going long-term and then breaking it down into like a three-year vision. And then, all right, what needs to happen this year? And then what needs to happen this month? 
and then what needs to happen this week and what needs to happen today, right? Mm-hmm. And when you break things down backwards like that, what you do today is now related to this big, exciting vision that you've got in the future. It's yep. like when I think about my day to day, I don't wake up super excited for the work that I've got to do today. Today was a big meeting day for me. I pack all my meetings into Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so I had like meetings, 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 meetings. But the reason why I'm motivated is because of the vision of the future. And that is so important. That's my favorite thing about the molehill system. Do, do you feel yep. the same way? Yeah. You, you have to know the direction you're heading in. Otherwise, you'll go, which is very easy to do, you go in a million different directions, right? Cool. You'll, you'll chase all the shiny objects. You'll go down all the rabbit holes. You'll go everywhere except the place that you need to go. And the, the scary part is you won't know. You have no idea. How, how would you know? Because you don't know the direction you're supposed to be going in. Yeah. So how would you know if you're going in the wrong direction? Uh, so you'll go down this path, which it might seem like it's the right path, but the right path could have been left and you went right, but you'll never know because you didn't have a plan or even a, a map on how you could possibly get there. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I map out, we do what's called OKRs in our business, uh, objective and key results. Uh, so every quarter we, we do planning and we figure out what are our objectives and what are the key results that is going to get us to that. And then everything that we're doing on a daily basis should align with those key results. And mm-hmm. if we accomplish those key results, then we hit our objectives, which should mean that we've uh, hit our revenue goal, grown our audience, got more clients, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I like that. I really like that. That's a, that's a really solid framework. And you do that on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis? Quarterly basis. Yeah. We, we, the uh, week before the quarter starts, uh, my partner and I sit down and we map out what we want to accomplish. We look at the things we didn't accomplish the last quarter Mm -hmm. and we try to be uh, realistic, but also uh, high achieving for lack of a better word and, and how we plan out. And for example, like, you know, a lot of ours this quarter is around increasing revenue and growing our audience and improving our systems. Those are kind of like the three big pillars that we're tackling uh, like this this quarter. So, yeah, I don't know if you've read the book Traction, but he calls those rocks, quarterly rocks. And uh, honestly, I feel like the younger your business is, the more frequent you need to have that like rock check in. Yeah. You know, like it's not a bad thing to do it once a month just to check in and be like, hey have our rocks changed because things are so yeah. dynamic in really business. We, we, yeah, no, in hundred percent, like in, you know, that can be kind of, uh, can be kind of defeating because you're like, crap, like we didn't accomplish half of what we wanted to, but it's like your business changes so much. So actually this quarter, I'm glad you brought this up because this quarter we're doing something different where we're actually, uh, we have our three pillars or our three rocks, right? Uh, audience, revenue, and systems. And we meet on Monday and talk about one, Wednesday, talk about the other, Friday, talk about the other. And we do that. We have a daily meeting uh, that my uh, partner and I have, just uh, myself and him. And on the back end of that, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have those meetings. Mm -hmm. Hey, Ryan, I've got a crazy question for you. You know, you seem like you're a pretty energetic dude. And so this is kind of related to like keeping up energy and, you know, maintaining the this super fast paced lifestyle. I saw you went on a plant-based diet a few 
years ago did it start? Yep. Are you still yep. doing that? So, uh, interesting you brought that up. Uh, so I did it for three years was it three years or two years i can't remember it was more than one year it was either two years or three years that i, I did it for and i actually stopped uh, about two weeks ago uh actually this is a good timing that you brought it up so i was completely vegan uh meaning i had zero zero meat or zero dairy for either two or three years whatever it was and uh so i actually changed because i was noticing that my energy and in particular the big tipping point for me was my mental clarity was not where i thought it should be and anytime you have something like that going on the first place you should look at your diet right yeah. that's 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 where the root cause is going to be most of the time so i uh, took a step back uh, a guy i know here in atlanta i've interviewed him uh, twice now on my podcast his name is michael coomer i knew he had been doing paleo for uh, a few years and he was really enjoying that He's a very high achiever. He's a VP of a um, uh, software company, makes a shit ton of money there, has a very successful blog, has two kids, uh, does CrossFit like crazy. Like, so he's got a lot going on. So I'm like, hey, he's a high performing dude. Like, if you wanna, if you wanna be like those people, then you gotta like figure out what the heck they're doing. So for me, knowing that like I wanted to get my mental clarity there, so I went down the paleo route and I've been working into a paleo diet, which uh, for me, I, I'll never have dairy again in my life. Like I've like when I went vegan, like the first three weeks, the reason I kept going is because I realized like I was lactose intolerant. Had no idea I was actually beforehand. Uh, so I'll never have dairy again. So this is actually an easy transition for me. I grew up eating meat. I'm not like anti-eating meat or anything. I was just vegan for two or three years just because I like to torture myself or whatever you want to <laughs> call it. Um, so I, uh, I switched to paleo. And so I've been doing that. I've been easing my way into it. it yeah. sorry, you, you didn't feel the mental clarity when you were vegan. You're saying like... Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it could have been other factors. I was probably do, like I wasn't taking um, any additional supplements. And like, for example, if you're vegan, you should be taking like B12 because you only get that from like animal proteins and things like that. So, I mean, I was probably might have been doing it to myself. I'm sure there's I probably wasn't eating enough uh, greens like I should have been. Despite what you think, it's very easy to be a very unhealthy vegan. There's mm -hmm. so many processed options out there right now, which are high in sugars and sodium and bunch of shit that you can't pronounce because the chemical name's too long. Uh, so I was like, that was one of the things that attracted me about paleo is it's the diet is very simple and straightforward, right? If it didn't actually exist during the paleo ethic area or whatever it's called yeah yeah, yeah paleolithic era uh, then you don't eat it right so and yeah. i did, already didn't eat dairy so it was like basically only thing i had to do is like cut out the processed foods and yeah it's been awesome so far it's interesting timing that you brought that up i love it well do you have any more like last minute words to share or tips or advice that you want to share with early stage entrepreneurs who want to get into the online business game yeah i mean I, i'll just i kind of said it earlier but i'll just kind of loop back to that as kind of a sum summation point in my opinion 
the quickest way to make quick money online, if that's what you're looking to do, I'm not saying it's gonna be easy money, it could be quick money though, is to start a service-based business. It might not be glamorous. Uh, it might mean that you start a cleaning company. It might mean that you're washing windows. I uh, interviewed a guy on my podcast that makes six figures a year, picking up trash out of parking lots. He, he That's his service-based business. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things you could do. You could do content marketing like we do. A lot of stuff that you can do. I think that's the easiest way to get your foot in the door and start making extra money on the side. And you can, depending on what you do, you can definitely do it in your afternoon hours on your lunch break before you go into work. I was doing all three of those when we were building this agency. So that, that would just be my little tip because I wish I would have figured that out a lot earlier. Like I thought that the only option to create a online business was to uh, sell a course or, you know, something, something along those lines when this route is is really easy to kind of get started in. Totally. I agree. It's super easy to get started in and scalable as long as you productize that service somehow. Yep. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, It was great talking with you, Ryan, and see you guys all next time. I think that this was a super important podcast to shoot because it shows how you don't have to take any drastic or immediate leaps or jumps in your career in order to enter the new age of entrepreneurs. You can start by increasing your income as an employee and you know starting from there and building a service business every business that i have started ever has been a service business why for the exact reasons that ryan said it's the fastest ones to jump into if you want to continue following my journey on tips on how to start a service business then go to theageofentrepreneurs.com and follow the podcast see you guys next time bye bye